welcome to Said. I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief and Curious Style Voyeur, Jane Dagney. Said is the conversational complement to what's been written in Designers Today magazine. Said is also an acronym that stands for Something About Interior Designers. Here, through conversations with designers and decorators, manufacturers, marketing experts, business coaches, and others in our community, we'll acknowledge, celebrate, and explore that special je ne sais quoi that designers share and yet express uniquely. Designers are creators, people handlers, and life changers, artists and visionaries, extraordinary jugglers with powers often greater than they can see. We are intrigued and inspired over and over again. Enough said. On with the show. Hi, and thanks for joining the podcast. Today, my guest is Amy Flurry. For those of you who don't know Amy, something quite unimaginable at this point, let me tell you what she does and who she is for the design industry. Amy runs an independent communication studio that assists companies with developing and implementing strategies that position them for growth, especially with interior designers. She and her team excel at helping brands strengthen their editorial voice through newsletters, web design, catalogs, and other publications. Amy is also the author of Recipe for Press. In 2011, she wrote Recipe for Press, Pitch Your Story, and Create a Buzz, and followed that up in 2018 with Recipe for Press, Designer Edition. Instructional and anecdotal, always thoughtfully composed, Recipe for Press has been nicknamed by many as the Bible of do-it-yourself PR. In addition to running a boutique communications empire, Amy is an artist and the co-founder of 10-Year-Old Paper Cup Project, where she and partner in art, Nikki Nye, fashion fanciful paper wigs, masks, flowers, and feathers with Edward Scissorhand-like skill. Their sublime creations have been shipped around the globe to places such as Christie's, Hermes, Valentino, and the V&A, and have, of course, gotten great press, with more to come. That's the skinny on some of what keeps Amy's mind and hands busy. As a respected and impactful contributor to our industry, I want to share what others have said about her. From podcaster and business whiz Luann Nigera. The biggest takeaway from my conversations with Amy is beyond all of her practical tips and strategies for getting press, Amy always stresses that the most important thing is to build and nurture relationships. She walks the walk, living in her own advice. Amy is genuine, kind, and she looks for meaningful ways to connect. From Marjorie Gage, founder of Art and Intuition, and the editor of Amy's second book, Amy is a love spreader. She has a gift for finding the good in everyone and everything and coaxes it to the surface so everyone can see what she sees. And what she sees is beautiful and fun and smart. When Amy talks about the design business being about relationships, she's speaking from experience. She's an expert relationship builder who thinks for the long term. Amy has a special place in my personal history. And when I thought about who would be my first guest on said, It was a no-brainer. It had to be Amy. We met during her busy freelance journalist day sometime around 1998. She was writing and producing stories for top consumer lifestyle publications, one of which was Country Living Magazine, where I was an editor. 
We were waiting in line at Country Living's 20th anniversary party at ABC Carpet and Home in New York, and we recognized each other as the two tallest women in the line. That was our beginning. While we kept up here and there over the years, our relationship really picked up steam in the spring of 2014 when I was existing way under my potential. I had been working a lot as a substitute teacher in the South Florida public school system, gratifying at times, but not a pay rate to live on. And with summer coming, there would be no more work. I was truly panicked about making ends meet for me and my kids. Amy reached out at the perfect time and told me that she had been thinking about me for a project. It was a tech startup, an app for interior designers called Parlor. In July, I was hired as the communications manager at Parlor, and kicking off my tenure was a trip to the Las Vegas market. At my first Vegas market is also where I met the guy who would become my love, but that's a different story. Amy opened the door for me back into the home furnishings world, specifically where it meets the interior designer. She was a catalyst through which other parts of my life started taking shape again. With gratitude, I present my friend and colleague, Amy Flurry. Hi, Amy. Hi, Jane Dagny. How are you? <laughs> oh, it's good. I'm good. It's Friday. I know. it is. I'm glad that we are speaking on a Friday. I feel like it's a little bit of a gift. Um, and that's what we all deserve at the end of a week. Hard I think working. so too. Yeah. And I put my red lipstick on for you, even though you can't see, I got ready. Oh, but now we can all imagine that. And that's, that's <laughs> good. That's very good visual stimulation. Um, I'm not going to tell you what I look like. Okay. So you are the first official guest on the said podcast. Yes. I'm very excited. It was kind of a <laughs> no brainer when I chose you to be the first guest. And I did mention in the introduction to the show that it was you who um, really pulled me out of, um, I don't even know what I was in, some kind of career muck and oh. got me going again. So, you know, um, it, it, it's funny. I was having a conversation with someone recently, someone we both know, Nick May. I, I'll say his name, uh -huh. Nick May. Um, and he it's it's just funny how sometimes we stay in those moments of gratitude but he had no idea we'd even work together because you have so forged your own name your own um you know you've really um carried with you now the industry i feel to a new um place in storytelling and um it's just it was kind of lovely that he had no idea we had even worked together. I know that's, um, and we're gonna we're gonna get into that a little bit later on. But um, okay. And I also want to just say that you and I, um, I meant to start this podcast, I guess, in late spring, and then just so much work and getting myself ready to move. I never did it. So this is actually for all those listening. This is the third time that we're recording this. Um, <laughs> surprise! <laughs> I'm surprised. It had time to marinate. It did. And also, yeah. you know, the industry is always changing. So I didn't want to serve up a podcast that we did two, two months ago. You know, I just thought, let's right. do it again. And you were kind enough to indulge me. So thank you. Oh, no problem. Okay. So where I want to start is really where I think a lot of designers got to know you, which is when you wrote your first recipe for press in 2011. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, do you agree with me that that's kind of that kind of put you into the entrepreneurial spotlight? It did. I thought that book was more for like indie entrepreneurs, and it certainly did find a foothold there. Right. But more than any one audience, the interior designer showed up, and that you know forced me to pay attention to why. And why did you write that first book? What were you noticing or what had you learned in your own journalistic career that that you said, I've got to write this book? Okay, I'm going to be really brief about it, but I think I can. Um, you know, and I'll just tell your listeners that I was a journalist for 20 years. I was a freelance writer and editor, and I contributed to national publications, both interiors and fashion. Um, but as a freelance writer, it's different from working in New York at a cubicle you know, I was out and about and seeing everybody going in people's studios and um, going to their shops and, you know, going to where things were made. And I would tell tell people they were fabulous and tell their story, you know. Right. And sometimes I would even tell it two or three times because I was working for so many magazines. But inevitably, when I moved on from a person, they were like, waving a flag like oh my gosh that helped business so much how do I make that happen again how do I find another Amy you know it's easy when Amy finds me but is it okay if I approach an editor what does that look like can we have coffee you know in this coffee and more coffees on the same (laughs) subject became kind of like I I pulled together really loosely like a workshop um, and filled the workshop and continued to fill the workshop and at some point I just realized I had this thing that I was running off at Kinko's and I, was, and I said you know enough people probably need this um, maybe there's a book here and so when I left magazines right. um, I decided to write this in answer to everybody who said you know can I have coffee and figure out how to pitch editors and get in magazines get my business as a magazine it meant right. something to their business mm-hmm. and um, and you took that book and you um did your own um, PR. I mean, people refer to your recipe for press as like the DIY Bible of, of publicity. Um, <laughs> well, I think it was because it was told from the point of view of an editor. I wasn't pretending to be a publicist. I was just somebody who had been on the other side of all of these pitches and seen great product. But I saw a lot of great product get passed on because the people pitching sent all the wrong signals. And I saw a lot of so-so stuff get in the pages because they you know, had great photography and some basic things. And so I just wanted to say, here's kind of what every editor everywhere wants to say, but they're not going to tell you, they're just going to pass. And so if you make these few little tweaks, you'll have a much better chance of doing this on your own if you cannot afford a publicist. And most, you know, small businesses are really not in the position to afford a publicist for the time it needs for that person to really, you know, do the work that they're trained to do yeah um now these days being on the editorial side again you know I'm getting mm-hmm. pitched constantly and um <laughs> and so I'm well you know <laughs> yes I've, well I started before I was in journalism I was in PR so okay. I was on that side and I think that PR and communications and journalism are so intertwined I think they are once you get the hang of storytelling um it works both ways, you know. And- it it does. And a good publicist will help you. They get to know you just like what I, I share in the books. You know, read what the 
read what those people are writing month after month, get to know it before you pitch it. But a good publicist does that, creates relationships, um, but they're also like real tigers about doing the work because they're on the clock. Yes. You know, and they've got to, and, and that's tough. That's a, it's a really hard job, but um, they have the, what you're paying for are the years and years and years of relationships they've built and mm-hmm. that trust that they have with the editors and that, you know, that, yeah, the relationship the access. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you write the book and you notice that designers are a, a large part of the population that's paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then fast forward uh, seven years and in 2018, you launched the designer edition of Recipe for Press. Yep. And I want to know, um, because, uh, you know, in the said podcast, the SAID stands for something about interior designers. Uh-huh. I want to know what it is for you that something got you really excited about working with the trade because that's been your focus now. It has been. Yeah. What is it? What is that something for you? God, there are many things Mm -hmm. for one, for one, they chase beauty, you know, Mm. Um, they, they are so articulate in that vision where I am in words, they are in, in building out something in 3d. So in essence, they see things that we don't see. And then, and I love that, you know, I mean, it's incredible, but they also, they also um, have to be so well-trained to do their job. Well, they're brave, you know, to, I mean, bold. I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's just a beautiful industry also. It's custom. And I, and as you, you know, me, Jane, you know, like I like custom. I like, I have a custom publication. I like, I have a custom art project, you know, right, I right. like the c- world of custom. Um, I like where hands are put to good use and um, where imaginations can be flexed. And that is interior design. And, you know, they will all complain and rightly so um, that so much of their work is about the admin. And I'm a big believer in getting that in order too, right. um, so that you can create the space to really do what you are meant to do, want yeah. to do. Yeah, no, I love your brave and bold um, description. And, you know, you, I mean, you chase beauty. Mm-hmm. You chase beauty, too. Um, <laughs> and you create beauty. And it's it's interesting. I see a lot of, you, even though you're not an interior designer, you have an amazing sense of style. Your own home is fantastic. It's been photographed, you know, for magazines. Um, so there's a lot it is of an album. It's an album. There's not one straight wall in this home of mine <laughs> filled, well, it's filled old... with things that my friends have made and it is fabulous it's a good home yeah yes um so here you are um writing about press and what many people know but not everybody knows about you is that you have this beautiful as Luann would call it a side hustle called yep. paper cut project <laughs> and um can you just tell I want, in your words, what is Paper Cut Project? Yeah, I, I'm so happy to share it because um, my partner, Nikki Nye, in Paper Cut Project, mm-hmm. was, uh, we were together last week um, for a photo shoot for a magazine. So yeah. we have to kind of practice also what we preach. But we were together and we realized it's our 10th anniversary this year. Congratulations. And so, thank you. <laughs> so at the same time, really around the same time that the idea for the book came along, 
paper cut project um, was uh, kind of imagined. And basically me and my partner, Nikki, we make these paper installations for generally they're for high-end fashion houses Mm -hmm. and often they are for window displays. um, And we're most known for these one-of-a-kind paper wigs. Generally they're in white, but we have, you know, dabbled in black a little bit. Um, And, um, and we've had some pretty fantastic clients and it was just, it wasn't on a whim. It was very much something we dreamed up over a few glasses of wine, but I, we were talking last week that I'm not sure we could ever recreate that moment mm-hmm. or, or whatever tenacity or gumption or just, uh, you know, craziness. I don't even, <laughs> craziness that we thought that we could do that and went mm-hmm. and pitched it without having made anything. Now I'd say that I was coming from the world of magazines and, you know, we think in these uh, like fantastical ways of adding styling props to a photograph so that nobody else would have that photograph. And, and that's what the stylists do. And I was working with a lot of stylists. So I was thinking in that um, kind of uh, lane. And then my partner, Nikki has an art degree, um, has worked in paper and her work in paper was very two dimensional and very, very tiny. Um, and very incredible. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of combined, we thought, well, since you know that material and it's simple and it's the recession and it doesn't cost that much, you know, um, right. we should we should have a signature material and it shall be paper. And, you know, we were just <laughs> dreaming of that. And um, the paper cut manifesto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right. And I just have a very good partner in, in paper cut project. So it's been something that you you have nurtured the two of you um, for ten years, and it, it it sort of as as I've been your friend and known you for these last um, I'd say six years more intensely. Mm-hmm. You know, I see you get busy with it, and then it's sort of you know you've got you're busy with something else. So as far as this magazine shoot, um, did you have to pitch it, or did they come to you? They came to us. Um, one magazine came to us and another magazine who's writing about this exhibition that we're a part of um, at the, in the end of the year, um, I was in conversation with an editor who knows me and who's happened to say, hey, what do you have going with Paper Cut? I saw on Instagram, you know, a mention of, you know, you're cranking that back up. We're getting, mm-hmm. We always have it in play. It's just that I posted something that may, caught somebody's eye okay. and they asked. So I didn't pitch it, but I will, and we already have had a conversation around this exhibition about what have we not covered and who do we need to share this with. So it's the only way that paper paper cut is the vehicle by which we use it to attract our next customer, you know, or our next client, like Hermes, Valentino, Christie's, the Victorian Albert. Kate Spade, all of those people, when right. we asked them, like, how did you hear about us? They, they all said, we saw you on a blog somewhere, or it wasn't really the creative director, it was their assistant saw you on a blog somewhere, or they saw you. And then, you know, we were in the New York Times once. And that's how people found out about us. But we did think after every commission, and that commission was out the door as quickly as we got it made. So the only thing we had to operate in were our pictures. I did pitch those to some bloggers 
And I thought to myself, like, what are those companies that value these one-of-a-kind handmade objects that are quite fantastical? What are they reading? And that's who I went to. And it was as simple as that. So that is pretty much what I also preach to right so your press it had a purpose you know it had a purpose it was like to get our next client sure i mean good press and beautiful photographs are bait for people that are looking for yeah you know that client and it's not all it's not always just it's sometimes like collaborations you just don't know people see it you don't know what people are looking for so in that way press when you just said collaborations i love that word but what do you exactly mean with well, this. Um, maybe not uh, exactly with this, but I could say with someone that I did coach, she through some press, Delta approached her, she had an organic beauty line, and they said, we're looking for somebody to do a, you know, custom first class package for our flyers. And so that's what I mean by collaboration. It might not mean like you get your next client, which in that case it was, you might get somebody who's looking to do something together with you or that that's what I mean. Just, you just don't know um, at the time. That's the kind of the beauty and the mystery of press for me. You cannot um, force it and you don't know what's going to happen because of it, but right. it does create momentum. Yes. And, and sometimes yeah you know, it's something that, you know, you put on the back burner. Um, mm-hmm. As an editor, I see things, but it might just not be what's right for me now. And then I'll go back. I mean, I have a postcard yeah. that continues to float to the top of my pile. Now, I'm, it's, <laughs> it's a, um, it's an incredible company called Ting out of LA. Uh-huh. And I saw this, um, this company in New York, they take leather belts they recycle them and create amazing installations like floors and doors it's amazing so um and they and that got your attention through a postcard got my attention in a postcard and i have kept it and every time i go through my papers and files Mm -hmm. i find it and i go oh now i think i'm ready for it and in fact I am ready to do something um, with mm-hmm. that company. I mean, I guess when you see something that's so fa- fantastic, it's it's always a good time to talk about it, right? Um, right. And, you know, in the first book, I have a whole chapter called The Humble Postcard because mm-hmm. I could see that people were getting away from paper anything. And I knew that just like you're talking about things when they cross an editor's desk, if they're beautiful, you it sometimes gives you an idea or sometimes you're working on a story and you're like, oh, I was looking for exactly that. Or I was, I like this company. I, I want to see if they have anything in blue because I'm working on the blue story, but it just passes your desk and it, and it keeps you in there on their radar in a very subtle way, but it's very effective. Sure. I mean, a, a beautiful piece of um, collateral like that, you know, it's going to go on a pin board, it's going to mm-hmm. go into a diary, perhaps, you know, it's, it just keeps resurrecting itself, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's good. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you go about your work, because I always think, well, you're basically a role model for me when I look at you. And the reason why, well, there's many reasons, but you go about and maybe it feels differently from the inside, but I see you um, crafting your life and your career with this incredible intention that combines grace and patience and curiosity. 
Mm-hmm. And I, like, you're just not rushing. Well, that's really it. kind. Well, <laughs> I, well, I guess that's, you're right. I am really, really trying not to rush through it because I recognize some things as precious and I've made them a priority. Uh-huh. And it's not always the obvious things, you know, but one of them is, which is for two of them, my children, you know, that I wanted to be a part of. And when you know your priority, then you can kind of create the, you can make decisions around that. And even though that might slow you down sometimes, right? you're a happier person for it. Mm-hmm. And some days, you know, you feel like, well, things are passing me by, but in, in fact, they're not. And I have had no lack of good work. And in fact, you're right. You don't see a lot of what I'm doing and I would hate it if you did. <laughs> um, and it's a lot of detail work and it's a lot of learning still. And it's a lot of delivery still. And I'm trying to manage more people so that I'm not always the one implementing, but I, I do take that very seriously, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I, so what I want to talk to you about is, um, how we got together. So, and a little bit about Perlore, which was uh-huh. um, the app for designers that brought you and I together, that yep. brought me back into the business. So in between book one and book two, Recipe for Press, mm-hmm. you um, accepted the position as creative director for Parlor. It, it was an app for project management app and marketplace for interior designers. Okay. Um, what made you, I mean, this was a big investment of your time and your creativity. It was. What did you see happening in the design world that made you go, I'm on this, you know, this is very important. Right. It came, it came at a good time. And it was one of those steps where it did remove me. It, it asked me to stretch myself a little bit more time-wise than I, you know, I was a little nervous about that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of dug my heels in on like, oh, I'll only do this. Oh, I'll only do that. But then when you're in a startup, you know, it just keeps sucking, keeps sucking, it keeps you. You need that energy to birth something into the world. And with startups, you need it for a sustained period of time. Right. Um, but I guess I was ready to work with a team. And that one seemed and felt very right for me. The mission was very clear. Um and it was a little bit different in spirit, but it was very much about people and and then, you know, about a way of working, not over expanding the scope, but it was a an enormous project in the end. And mm-hmm. and we all we know that because people are still trying to get that right. And we got yeah. a lot of it right. And it was a beautiful, beautiful piece of uh, equipment. And we're still seeing designers try to find the right one, you know, and there's not any one right one. So it's, there's, there was something there. Um, Yes. But it did draw on my editorial background so much. I was given a chance rather than to bring something to life on paper, to bring something to life in an app, in a look Mm -hmm. and feel, to position a company. And I thought I knew how to do that. You know, I thought I could do that well. And then we had to kind of grow the team. And I learned I really liked doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's when I called you because it was just growing so quickly that I said, I need, I need another 
me. I need somebody better than me, in fact. And well, so that's when I called Jane. You did it. And as I recall. <laughs> and that's a that's... scary thing sometimes to to admit like, ooh, I'm the creative director, but I'm going to call somebody who I know is better. Mm. Oh, <laughs> and, well, you that's... know, in many, in many ways, it's, yeah. we're all, we're all unique snow flowers. So I'm not putting myself down. I just knew, I knew of your, the skills think... you possess because I tried to model mine after them in editorial when I knew you way back when at Country Living. Well, thank you. I, um, and I think that we worked off each other so well, you know, yeah, like the you yeah. know, ideas just kind of snowballed um, into really good places. So, well, yeah, I but think it's that's the you... moment we're in also in, and it's interesting. It's so interesting to me that in the mm-hmm. trade, whether it's within a big design firm um, or within a design firm, like I have a client, um, who has a design firm and a retail operation, they have two stores and they have endless, endless portals, just like any of us do to share their story, to share their product. And, and companies weren't, weren't used to thinking in an editorial sense or in like many campaigns, you know, in right. sharing a story, a number of different ways. And that is a skill that you and I are trained on and that we love and comes very naturally to us. So those editorial skills are very valuable now in this moment because we're overwhelmed with the number of channels and number of ways that we're supposed to be you know yeah and sharing our story well I remember I mean gosh there's this this we're so interesting this topic alone can be its own podcast seriously Uh um but I remember when all the magazines were closing back in I think it was even well it it was around the recession time but Mm -hmm. you know um, or letting off staff a lot. And that's when um, I feel like a lot of editors got to reinvent themselves in into companies like Dara um, mm-hmm. went to Schumacher and now um, Tori from Traditional Home, mm-hmm. right, went to Schumacher yep. as well. I think editorial um, trains you so well to just create narrative, um, do styling, really create that package. Um, create the package, but mm-hmm. what, what I see is beyond that is to do it on deadline. That's mm-hmm. a different thing altogether. And Love that's, that. yeah, and that's what people have, uh, people struggle with mm-hmm. because we can be inspired all day long and we can do half of it, but closing it is a different thing altogether and having the confidence to make that decision. I think that's at the core of, you know, those skills. Yeah. Deadlines. Hmm. Yeah. Not my favorite. Um, <laughs> very good at stretching those as yeah. much as I can. Um, so there was Parlor. Okay. Working very hard. We're this yep. team. We made quite a splash. People still talk about the, the first party, yep. even before we were launched, the water bottle that you designed with Nicholas, all that. Then, yeah. then we find out that we're just it's not gonna it's fizzled you know it's yeah. run out of yeah. runway and run out of fun yeah so at that point in your life um and correct me if I'm wrong but I'm thinking you had to figure out okay Amy Flurry once now? again what now <laughs> because the recession was one and that is when yeah. I did the book and you know got that going but you can I mean you know, it's hard to stay in that startup mode for, for too long. And at some point, as you get older, you want to embrace a way of living 
that jibes well with, you know, what you've really honed and where you are in life, phase of life, you know. So that was a bummer. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, looking back, I see how difficult it is to get any of those. That technology piece is still relatively new. And you you really have to have a lot of deep conviction about it going into it. And you have to have an amazing technology team that can keep up with the other side. Um, you know, I, I, we learned so much. Um, we did. And I think you and I probably shared a lot of that information with other people trying to do the same thing. And you just like wish them luck because it is not, not easy, but um, the doing it together was the the great part. And everybody on that team landed you know, it only elevated. I felt like I was the one, not left behind, but I was the, I was one of the ones that just tried to regroup and, and regroup my own freelance well, or my own business because that right. suited me best. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I, I wanted to go back into a company because, um, which uh, I went to Steelyard mm-hmm. and yeah, you had to, or you chose to reinvent your your freelance, your own business. So I did. how did you figure out what was next? How'd you get clear on, on what was going to be next for you? Well, I think the first part was being clear not to jump on the opportunities that were kind of being flagged in front mm-hmm. of me that were similar because I had not recovered, you know, from, from all of the, you know, and it was, I wasn't ready to, right. to jump back into it. So I had to be clear on that. And then that's when that thing that I, I learned or I, I know that's when I did. And it's so simple, but, you know, if I knew that my priority for the next three years was to see my daughter through high school and to be around mostly for her and my son who was in school in college here, um, it didn't mean I couldn't travel or I wouldn't be traveling a lot. I, I simply knew that I did want to be here most of the time that I could. And so that precluded you know, me from taking a job somewhere else because I live in Athens, Georgia, as you know, so it's not yes. exactly the nexus of commerce, right. um, great art. But <laughs> so I, there was going to be, to be some travel involved or some kind of working for a company that didn't, wasn't stationed here. So that was step one. Um, I had had great exposure during those years to different companies, and I'm very grateful for that. And um, a couple of them did come to me and say, "Do you would you um, do something with us? We noticed what you did and what your team did, and would you, you know, join us?" Because they were, again, so many of these companies, you know, their their catalogs have to look like magazines, and their website has to be so slick. And it it just wasn't that long ago where it was just enough to make a pretty product. And now they have to put that together. And, and so um, I picked up a few, um, you know, I I picked up work as a communications partner with a few manufacturers. um, Mm -hmm. And then in in, with a few designers um, and just one by one, but I really went about it with the mindset of, I didn't want to do anything for a short period of time because what I have learned is good things take time Mm -hmm. and you, you really should do yourself a disservice at, and me at this point in my life to try to rush through doing good work with anyone. Mm. So I wanted somebody to invest in me as much as I was going to invest in them because I know myself and I'm going to, you know, I know what I'm bringing. So that's kind of the mindset. And so when I found partners that were willing to um, 
do that, uh, then that signaled to me, okay, this could work. And so I've, I've kind of built up a stable of five to seven partners at any one time that I'm working with and built, built team, you know, around that. Sure. And, and I'm pretty sure that some of those are still, are the ones that you were your first. Still um, with me. After yep. Perler. So like Eleanor Rigby home. Yep. Right? Eleanor Rigby home. They're out of San Diego. Yeah. They are a custom upholstery company. Um, Detroit Rug Restoration was a company um, who I'd met the founder through Parlor, and they want they were a family-run rug care business, very yeah. sexy, you know, mm-hmm. rug care. You made them <laughs> uh, sexy. <laughs> they, they wanted to. They wanted an online arm that would appeal to a younger audience, and they wanted to do something innovative as well. And so I did take the reins of um, Detroit Rug Restoration, which is this their online arm to appeal to a younger generation of vintage rug lovers and yes. people who want to keep things in this world and keep them, you know, um, cared for. And, um, and then the Atlanta design scene is very strong, as you know. So yeah. I, I um, was just approached um, by some pretty incredible people whose work I was so impressed with that I, I said, yes. Yes. Well, and I, I was very thankful because Parlor was based out of Atlanta for you introducing me to some of the people from that scene. You know, I, mm-hmm. I still feel so much closer to the Atlanta designers than I do to Florida designers. And I've been in Florida mm-hmm. for 17 years, but I just, um, I don't know. I, I felt the connection more in Atlanta. It was a great springboard um, for the both of us, but yes. I really like that it was for you back into this industry because you were really needed, missed. It was the right moment. And I think you've landed at a place that gives you enough, enough opportunity for all of your ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And it feels like a startup sometimes. I mean, you know, when you're talking about startup, I feel that with technology and, um, and just so much that is happening in, in our industry. It's always, you've always got to be on your toes. Um, mm-hmm. And there's so much interesting. I mean, I'm so amused by our industry. I'm fascinated by the stories and, and uh, I could spend, I often do spend 19 hours a day uh-huh. you know, in this, just with this information it's, a, it's an incredible industry it yeah. really is it has such depth and um it, it's worth the time to share those stories and i think i think people are enjoying the people who are doing that well and finding their way their point of view yeah um, i really have enjoyed also dennis scully's um podcast for the yes. business of home um and then they take a very different you know angle but it's right they have it's their perspective um but some of those stories i've enjoyed learning about people in the industry that aren't current you know but they have been in it for that we're not seeing every day but they have a hundred year old history you know mm-hmm. yeah no, he's, he's doing an excellent job um I, I do wish that I could listen to other podcasts more. I mean, I always do when I take a road trip. I, yeah. I queue up my podcast and I'm gearing up for one next weekend when I take my little one, Sammy, to college. And one thing I wanted to share with you about Sammy is that she declared PR and advertising as her major. Wow. 
And wow. <laughs> I didn't even tell her to do it. And not that she would have listened to me, but that was her, right. of her own choice. And um, I'm going to send Sammy a book. Well, wait a second. <laughs> so if you've, you know, I have a small stash. Oh, you've always okay. given me extras and said, if you find somebody, a designer or somebody that you know that could use this. And I have shared your book. That's kind of what I do with my mom, too. She's like my on the road ambassador. When well, she identifies go. somebody who needs it, she goes out to her trunk and <laughs> gives it to them. Well, I think that's right. Okay, so I gave you. Yeah, I mean, we all have to be ambassadors for each other. I think so. I, I, um, as you know, I'm packing up to move, and uh, going through my books, and I said, "Oh my gosh!" And I took out the original uh, recipe for press, and I said, "You will want this. Put this in your library. Take it to school." And so um, she's taking a copy to school with her. Oh, how about that? Wow, me really happy. Oh, um, oh, Jane. <laughs> I know. Long, long time together. So, um, which actually, you know, the whole idea of relationships, um, which that word comes up constantly when, uh, well, when you and I are, um, we, we get talked about a lot by people with mm-hmm. whom we have relationships with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I was, Luann Nagara and I had been uh, emailing and I asked her to tell me something about you that struck her in a particular way. And she wrote that um, you always stress the most important thing is to build and nurture relationships. And that was something that struck her. And that's, I mean, that is why you called me. That is how you, those relationships, how you sort of jumpstarted your new direction. Um, It's true. And I have learned, I mean, I think this is wild, but I guess with enough time, you know, you learn that some can kind of, some relationships can, what do you, they, they can remain dormant for a little while. Like at some point, mothers know, you know, I'll see you in about 15 years <laughs> when, when we have time to get together again. But for right now, we're we're raising the kids and you just, there's an understanding, but when those relationships are seated with intention of hanging on to them, mm-hmm. you can, you can pick back up to some degree. I mean, I really do like to work on them too, but I, I also have seen like similar to, we had stayed in touch, but it, it was like, it was so easy to call you and say, here's what, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I want you to consider, you know? And, right. um, yeah. So and you know when we, I believe in that. Well, when we met, you know, we didn't have texting, we didn't have Instagram. So the only way for us to really keep in touch was to make a commitment, like to call each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess we had email, but it, it I was probably different. wrote letters too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like I like the tangible. It was, and now we've got all kinds of ways to to stay in touch but however whatever your way is it's just and it's not that I'm so you know kind of rosy in my outlook that I think every relationship will be like this but you 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 do you do get senses of people that you you know like to hang on to and um, like to share things in life with and that can happen through business too Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's like a parallel dimension and then sometimes they bump and you know, you get to do things together and you get lucky. Oh yeah. I mean, most of my best relationships are in the industry. Um, Mm -hmm. 
it just works that way. And then, my, of course, my long-term friends from high school and and college. <laughs> that, but but since I've been a working gal, it's like they all come from work. Um, yeah, very fulfilling. So, um, what are some? You know, your your ear is you've got uh, you've got um, part of you is in the manufacturing and the maker world. You're invested in retail. You are consulting with designers and surrounded by them a lot. Do you? Is there any like? or not one, maybe several sort of challenges or recurring themes that you're hearing that designers and manufacturers and our whole trade world is dealing with right now that's kind of interested you or? Well, I'll just say this is not very interesting to me. Building websites are not very interesting to me. <laughs> you know, um, necessary. Kind of, kind of crafting them. But that, I haven't had a client who has not had to reshape theirs and that's happening with more frequency and it is a platform for expression, but, you know, getting that voice and refreshing it has become more important and it's happening every three years or so, as opposed to every eight years, you know, five to eight right. years, five years on a good, on a good run. Um, but that, yeah, I mean, that's one like thing. And that's, you know, who do you go to and who does this? And, and there's, Again, if it's custom, I mean, you've got all of these templates, but you're in design. You don't want to look like everyone else. You don't want right. a formula. So then what? You know, and that's where I've had to build my team. And specifically, there I have, you know, certain graphic designers I work with, but some are very specific for my interior designer clients because they have that eye and that sensibility and that shared appreciation for the same things. And that's a very custom approach, but I don't know, you know, I, I think that's what is necessary. Um, mm -hmm. and, well, it's just like yeah. things getting obsolete so quickly, you know, so the lifespan of your site. Right. You know. And so what I try to do, and this is where I try to make that time, you might think, oh, we're only working on that, you know, because oh, it's just taking up the most air. But at that same time, I'm working on like it includes all of these channels that across the board, any efforts in communications will be able to live in these different platforms, but all work together. So I guess I'm kind of in that publishing mentality, um, mm -hmm. but so that you make the most of the effort and you're not like spinning your wheels, you, you know why you're doing it too, you know, and that's for retailers and for manufacturers you need to know okay if I'm going to introduce this short little video am I doing it because I saw somebody else's video and I think it's cool and now I'm going to put my team on it but with no direction and just say do it because I you know I we, that looks really good we should have that right or do or do I understand that we need to do these short eight to ten or fifteen second videos for Instagram that highlight the detailing on our upholstery Right. And how do we frame that and then show that off? And that kind of clarity of direction is tr what I try to bring but and try to think about because you can just get lost in the opportunity. And that's why I think people get lost and overwhelmed with all these things that they're supposed to be doing when they're actually incredible tools right. for your business. I was going to say, yes. They're so fun. Many tools. That can be fun. Yeah. yeah. And you got to stay on top of that for yeah. sure. I, I have been... Um, I spend a good bit of time on some of the Facebook groups for designers. Uh -huh. And I am Ooh, just... that's a, that's a, 
<laughs> oh, that's a rabbit hole. source of information, but a total rabbit hole. Yeah, it I is a total it. rabbit hole. I mean, I, I, I find it um, so informative, but informative. still a rabbit hole. I love the way that designers come to each other's aid and boost each other up. And, um, and so that, that whole sense of sharing resources and information and offering, you know, call me, get, get in mm-hmm. touch with me, mm-hmm. um, is really warming to me, um, what I see. And I, I just feel like, you know, there's so much information out there, but we still, um, and I say we, like, as if I'm a designer as well, but I feel that I, I'm empathetic um, to the designer and want to help that um, it just, it's, it's nonstop, you know, the desire for right. information. Well, I, I would, I would love to say one thing to the interior designer that I have learned and that I think they should know because they sometimes feel like they're getting picked on with, you know, these companies that were to the trade, but now want to be to the consumer. And, you know, there's, there are a lot of conversations going on behind in these groups and rightly so because it's kind of like their toolbox is being pulled out from under them. Um, That's how it feels or, but they should also feel very empowered and they should understand. um, I, I, I get exposure to both sides. So I, I I see um, what's happening for the businesses, Mm -hmm. um, but the designer, those businesses need the designer's business. And that's why everybody's, you know, doing great tap dances to get their attention because they have clients, you know, recurring clients and those are valuable to the businesses. So they sit in a position of strength to really unite, you know, and to um, make, make um, collective decisions. Um, that, that sounds almost like I'm, um, trying to tell them to unionize them. That's not, that's not <laughs> at all what I'm saying. Like some like whisper of <laughs> unite. It's not that I'm just, I'm just saying they, they sit in a position of strength. So they have choices. And I, I do believe that um, the designers are not in any danger. You know, they, they are so um, good at, at making things beautiful and making things custom and that manufacturers will increasingly work with them to deliver that um, custom opportunities and to um, make their clients happy ultimately, you know, and to, because they want that designer business. Right. But it's really hard to have it always, you know? And I think that's tough for the designers to see, like, how do we navigate this now? How do we navigate this world of everybody has access to everything? Where do we, where do we stand now? But I just see still that they stand in a great position of strength and, mm-hmm. um, and just need to, you know, be reminded Step of that. into that and be reminded. Exactly. Well, I yeah. think choice is a powerful, mm-hmm. is a powerful uh, word um, mm-hmm. and that they get to choose. So uh, what I want to do at the coming to the end of this podcast, wrapping is, it up. Well, yeah, I want to ask you about, um, to share with us a piece of advice, something that has been said to you that you carry inside of you. And, um, yeah, if you could share something that's been said. (laughs) Well, I'm going to make it relate to work because that's kind of what's on my mind when, you know, I still think about you saying, oh, you do this with such grace. And I really 
I, I really am kind of internally quiet and I really do um, love expressions of beauty, but um, I work hard like we all do, you know, mm-hmm. and um, Christine Phillips, she's a publicist. She's in my second book yes. and I led the book with uh, a Q&A with her. Uh, she has such great phrases, you know, or oh yes. anyway, she, <laughs> she said, listen, babe, you don't get to stand on the podium without running the race and that's just so true um Mm -hmm. that's how you get good clients over time you know you that's that's how you get a strong brand presence you invest in the time it's going to take you give it time you do the work you know and you remain consistent and you continue to learn but when it comes to press um, and positioning through, you know, press, um, the best thing is to just be persistent and to be focused than this kind of approach that you just blast everybody quickly and see how many people will pick up quickly, you know, that, right. that's always going to fizzle out. So will your attention on it, you know, you'll, you'll be like, well, that didn't work. But I liked that. I always remembered her saying that. And I thought, yep, yep, yep. that's, that's so true. And that also, well, number one, I'm so glad that you brought Christine into the conversation because um, because we love her. Yeah. And um, and then it also gives me a visual, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's a, a quote with a visual. So it takes I, time. It takes strength, you know, as a as somebody who's competing, I guess. And in that uh-huh. sense, um, it takes a lot of practice and endurance and it takes a love of what you're doing. So I, I just, I like that. And yes. yeah. Thank you for that's sharing. My, that's my, that's my quotable. Yes, that's good. Um, well, Amy, it has been real and a pleasure. It's always a pleasure, Jane, to hang out with you. Thank and you so much for having me first on welcome. your podcast. Well, I'm, you're welcome. And I'm, this one is actually going to make it up. <laughs> so and will, will there be bloopers from the others? That could be funny. Oh, that could be funny. Um, but that's going to be a lot more work for me. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. But anyway, just I love you and thank you. And you too, Jane. Good luck, with, good luck with Sid. It's going to be thank great. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Sid. Be sure to visit designerstoday.com for more style, substance, and soul. And also to subscribe to our magazine. Till next time. I'm Jane Dagney, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today.